Welcome and hello. This is Tomas O'Leary. You are listening to two regular guys discussing software. I'm here with Harry Candidai, who is our head of marketing globally. He's been hanging around now for a while with me. How are you, Harry? I'm doing great. Always fun to do this uh, with you, Tomas. Yes, uh, two regular guys and uh, lots to talk about. Uh, you know, can't believe Tomas. January flew past. Lots of action all around. So yeah, let's dive right in. Yeah, no, this is our thirty-eight time doing this podcast, so we, we must be doing something right to keep kind of keep doing it. Hope the listeners enjoying it. We're going to have we got this. We're going to have a great chat today. This is our first time doing this in twenty twenty-three, and there is gee. Harry, there's so much news. When we were planning this a couple of weeks ago, we said we'd talk about um, one of the themes where you and I have been talking about for a while. Uh, we talk about in the business here, this kind of healthy, skeptic mindset. It's kind of a mindset we have here in Origina, particularly around how do you how do you drive change in, in the software industry? But wow, I didn't expect we were going to come in here and have a chat about all the job cuts and some of the pressures that the technology industry is under. I mean, what a what a turnaround! It's going to be. It's going to be some crazy stuff going on, isn't that right? Oh, without a doubt, and it's all connected. Uh, Tomas, the classic problem, right? You got the inflation pressures, you got the the looming recession, you got the job cuts, but guess what? Nothing is stopping everybody. You know how do you how do you continue to move or push your innovation, your digital agenda? No one's getting a break. CEOs, boards. Everybody's moving forward. Yes, there's a lot of headwinds, but you know, let's talk about the job cuts. Uh, maybe yeah, that's a no, start. Yeah, it's but I'm going to keep my healthy skeptic head on here, though, Harry. Okay, so I'm going to keep that on me while I'm talking about this because some of this stuff is real, but some of the stuff is kind of I'm going to you'll see where I'm going with this in a minute. So here we got here's some news. I'm going to give you some news. Okay, so SAP. They announced 3,000 job cuts, about 2,500, sorry, 2.5% of their global workforce. They also announced at the same time that they're uh, selling Qualtrics because they want to focus more on the cloud. And then at the same time, they announced cloud revenue up 101% in the latest quarter, 33% up in 2022, yet they're throwing 3,000 people out the door. Then you got Microsoft, 10,000 job cuts. 5% of its workforce, you know, they're claiming layoffs were accelerating in the U.S. technology sector as companies brace for an economic downturn, but they still put $10 billion in chat GBT. What's, what's, what's going on here? And then we have IBM. Or, you know, we can't not mention IBM, Harry. We have to talk about IBM always. As you know, we can't help ourselves, but they're letting go 3,900 jobs, 2% of the global workforce. But they're saying it's actually because of the Kindle spin-off, which they, by the way, did two years ago. And Google am too. I, kind of, Google out. Are we? Am I seeing something here that's not there? No, no. I, you know, go down the list, right? This is a reality check. Seven point four trillion. That's how much the the high tech sector lost last year uh, towards the end of the year. I remind myself of the study. Seven point four trillion in value. That's what was lost last year. Um, speaking of job cuts, no, you're not missing anything. 60,000 jobs lost to us just in January alone. You mentioned all those companies, but keep going down the list, right? Sales well, well, sorry, go, go back. What was that number? 7.5 trillion lost in value. Yes. Yeah. For, yeah, to yeah but, all the, but, but, mm -hmm. but Harry, value is not a determinant of how many people you employ. 
That's just at the start. That's just the points in time. That's like the saying the my house is worth more or less money this year than it was last year. Do I do I I don't push by tell my children that to leave the house just because it's worth still got the same number of bedrooms in it. You know, just yeah. I don't I don't I don't buy this. You know, yeah. and I, and I, I love the last one. Sorry, I forgot the last story because I was on the other page here. Google, 12,000 job cuts. They're saying Google has also said that senior executives will face pay cuts this year as part of cost cutting measures. And this is where I started off saying reality check, Tomas. I think, yes, you probably had you know so many people living in your house and you may not have needed all of them. But the point is, I think there was a big hiding bubble, right? I think there's correction going on. Uh, reality check, as I say. I, I see the good news here too, right? This is not all doom and gloom. Here's the point. Yes, it is It is not a good thing to leave lay people off. There are a lot of people out there who are struggling without jobs and unexpectedly had to leave. But this is where the, what I call the tech sector bubble meets this inflation tsunami kind of thing. There's all these things going on. So what's the good thing that I'm seeing in this? I think a couple of things come to mind. First, and, and all these names that you mentioned, by the way, these are the big guys, right? There are about 150 or so companies that laid off you know, their people. But here's the good news I see, or the silver lining I say, not all doom and gloom. Uh, one is the lot more great tech talent if for, for companies that are smart at this time and looking very closely on the in their investments and looking very closely at how they prioritize where they put their money, looking at technology very closely. Mostly. I think there's great talent because this is where I said nobody's stopping innovate. I, I don't think the smart ones are not stopping to innovate. They continue to. But now with all these big guys laying off all these people, great talent available. I think if companies can do the right thing, ServiceNow, we, you know, I'm, I'm sure you'll talk about ServiceNow here uh, soon, but they had made a mandate that they're not going to let people off and not surprising, right? Productivity, I think any technology like that, company like that is going to keep their people. But again, you know, you, you must prioritize, you know, where you invest in. Great talent available, and hopefully uh, they get uh, picked up uh, back again, Tomas. But a uh, huge movement going on right now. Yeah, no, I mean, there's going to be some good people take it up. But I mean, if I was an employee of any of those companies, I would be kind of a little bit jaundiced about the, the announcements and one side of sales increases. And, and okay, stock share price is one thing. We don't, we're not seeing the same movement in their profitability. And if Microsoft, in the same breath, could let go 10,000 people and put 10 billion into chat uh, GBT, it's, I, I just would feel for the people who are losing their jobs. You know, that's that's where I'm coming from here. But anyway, listen, that's it. You know, and then, and then, then we have the other side of this, by the way. And, and I with John, by the way, many things you talk about, but I, you know, I can't help myself when I'm looking at these things. But we have the other side of it. There's the cost cutting, getting, getting rid of the people because they feel that they need to do that, as bad as it is. But then the other side of it is they're get ready for audits. You know, I mean, let's talk about Oracle just for a few a few, a few minutes around what they're up to in terms of their purchase of Java a number of years ago, as you're well aware. And they are pushing this new per employee license model, which is going to cause huge, huge issues. I mean, we spoke, myself and Brendan spoke to Pam Fulmer, who's a, a, an attorney based out in California. She was a guest, actually, one of our podcasts. And it was December 2020, so we're talking, God, two, over two years ago. And she predicted at the time that, well, she was talking about aggressive moves by many of the software vendors around 
their IP and copyright, etc. But she said there's going to be this Java audit bomb. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. So that was, I think, I think it was the 19th episode the guys were telling me here. But episode 19, I recommend anyone to go back and have a listen to it. It was quite insightful in terms of our ability to predict and forecast. But Oracle switching to Java licensing based on numbers of employees. So regardless of the number of people are actually using Java in your organization, you're going to have to license every single one of them. Matt? This is to talk about a classic mega vendor tactic, right? You've got to keep increasing the money coming into the company. But how do you do that when they're not able to get new customers? Then you've got to find new other ways. But this one's huge, Tomas. This is, as you said, we're going to see this. This is not done yet, right? There's so much that Oracle hasn't shared. Uh, I think they're trying to alleviate some anxiety right now with some grandfathering clause and this and that. And I don't know the detail here, but I got to believe, I mean, this is a classic way where you lock out competition. You want to increase the money coming from the customer with these tactics. That's what it is. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter who, you know, can you believe it doesn't matter, you know, whether you use the system or not. It depends on the number of employees or partners or consultants and contractors. How many people will be touching this? And now I got to pay for every single one of them. This is not going to be done anytime soon here. Yeah. This is reminiscent of the sort of that tactics that people take in during wars where they leave landmines behind and they, they kind of people die. You know what I mean? It's not quite the same, but that's the analogy you could use. Like these are just they're leaving these these landmines for people to come back and pick up on later on. And it's, what is it also, it's outrageous. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you, Tomas, but what it's also doing is it's waking up these customers, right? Now they're getting more and more smarter. They want to understand. And there are so many great companies that help consult and contract, like, you know, you know, many companies out there who help you do that. But it, I think it proactively, and you should be in a position already, you should be in an offense position anytime Oracle comes knocking on the door anyway. So if you haven't done that, you should be doing it. You should understand. You should keep track of all your Java products. You know, you should look at, this includes both Java, all Oracle and Java vendors, right? You go down uh, Azul, Red Hat, Amazon's Coretto, I think it was, or just keep track of all the stuff and know what you're using. But anyway, um, yeah. lot, lots going on there. And the great news, there's still options out there. That's the good news. Like we're not, people, it's not It's yeah. not a closed market yet. So there's still options. You know, right, people need to be motivated. So this, hopefully we're going to see some, some motivated customers out there. Oracle, uh, we're also the news, their ongoing battle with Rumini Street is still going on in the marketplace. Jeez, is that ever going to end? 10 years and counting. Uh, actually, not <laughs> lost track, 13 years and counting. But that's what happens, right? I mean, if you know, you can imagine, you know, software maintenance being one of the most profitable, you know, 90 plus percent profit margins for these big vendors. And, you know, they're going to go after anybody who's even remotely a threat. Now that means companies we need to be smart in how they how they go about providing their service. But no, this Rumini Street and Oracle lawsuit keeps going and going just when you think it's almost done, it's not. Yeah. And they and they and they slap an eight percent charge for 2023 onto their US customers with competition from Rumini Street, from the third party industry and others and Spinnaker and the other companies in that space. They're still able to put up the prices by eight percent. I mean, I know inflation was high during 2022, but when you marry that with the boasts of spending less money on maintenance and in the in the provision of the maintenance 
um, which is what Arica would have said in the past in some of their um, annual returns. It's a, it's a nice model, a business model, isn't it, for, for, for them, not so much for their customers, you know? Oh, without a doubt, it goes back to our first point, right? There's going to be a lot of, you know, anger and angst here because they're letting people go. You can't be raising money in an environment where you have forcing your customers when they're already in a place where they're letting their people go. Uh, you know, some of these mega vendors, I mean, that's what the tactics are. They just keep going because that's, you know, that's their roadmap model. That's their business model. That's their roadmap. And that's the problem, right? You follow a vendor dictated roadmap, then you're going to end in a situation where you unfortunately have to let people go. But it goes back to the point I made to us. You have to look at everything so closely. I think that's the good thing here is it forces IT executives. It forces all the way from the CEO down to very closely, again, goes back to the healthy skeptic. Be a healthy skeptic and look at everything very closely, including how much you're paying for software maintenance and all of those things. But but there's a choice here. And that's yeah. why we exist, right? No, you're right. Look, look, looking at things, looking at things closely is a really important thing to do. I mean, and we're, we are we are very fortunate in many ways that actually the, the situation we talk about Ramini Street article we just talked about there, we're actually quite fortunate that it probably happened because we in our business uh, we are, with our legal panel, which is, you know, we're very lucky to have some of the top intellectual property and minds in the world helping us to make sure we stay within the boundaries of what's available. We may not like all the things that are available, but we have, unfortunately, we have no choice but to do that with our customers. We are blessed to be, to have that within our business, you know, the mistake, the mistakes or the, the things that could trip you up in, a, in, in the business of providing third party maintenance, it, you know, that due diligence you're talking about, thankfully, we've done that. And we do that on a regular basis with our, with our, with our, with our team. And we're very lucky to have them. The, I wanted just a couple of kind of stories before we come on to the, to the broader healthy skeptic kind of conversation and, and, a, and a couple of things we want to talk about around budget and, and around the, the roadmap of both customers and the, and the providers of, of technology. I did a couple of other pieces of news I thought were interesting. We're on, the, on, we're on the, the topic of audit there a few moments ago. Broadcom's acquisition of VMware. Uh, Pam Fulman, we mentioned Pam earlier. She's written a piece on this. I mean, $61 billion for v- VMware. And... VMware has is been a, is a kind of a fundamental piece of for the for the cloud, but it's it's probably a piece of technology that it's would be seen as a mature piece of technology. And this is Hock uh, Tan has a has a history of doing this, and he did this when he bought CA Technologies. They wouldn't be seen and, and Symantec. They wouldn't have been seen necessarily as the most out there, front of line, innovative, brand new, trendy technology companies okay he's a tendency to buy these and then turns the screw because we hear this evidence straight back from customers who regularly ask us we're in the third party software maintenance will you do ca will you do uh, you know, vmware will you do Symantec? because of some of these he- heavy-handed focus on producing profits because they know these are products that are tricky to replace and an audit is a really really uh, easy way to go about doing this. I mean, I think this is going to, this could be quite scary when this goes finally comes through. This is where the market of customers wake up, right? When you start doing this, you can only push so far, but this cannot be a an ongoing revenue stream. What's going to happen is, you know, customers are going to look at, as you said, you know, choice. That's what it is. It's a, they're going to look for alternatives, and you know, you can do it so much. But you know, imagine this is one vendor doing this. Imagine 
five audits if you're a small company, medium-sized company, if you're all IBM, Oracle, you know, Broadcom, CA, everybody knocks on your doors. What are you going to do? Um, yeah. Just, well, you look just, at you look at what NASA had to do there with Oracle. I don't know if you saw the story in the register about um, NASA spent the claim that in from the register saying that NASA overspent 15 million on Oracle software because it was afraid an order could cost it more. Like 15 million. That's ta that's U.S. taxpayer money. Like that's going. Where does it go? It goes into you know Larry Ellison's pocket. You know, is that really, is that where we want it? I'm not so sure. Anyway, maybe there's a bit of good news, you know, on some of this. Maybe the UK uh, is independence after Brexit. It started to flex a bit of muscle. The regulator said uh, recently that they are having a very close look at the this purchase of by Broadcom of VMware. So they may stop it. Now, sure. they do. It'll probably only be stopped in the UK. Not sure what it'll mean. These things tend not to anyway. So. That could be that could okay. be interesting. We'll have to watch that space. You know, at least um, a step in the right direction to question these things, right? I mean, you got to you got to have these bodies looking at these things closely because you know it can't be a free for all just because you're a big yeah. name. Yeah, and this yeah, listen, it's not all bad news out there. It's not all tricky. There's some good things happening. I see Kendrill and Microsoft are going to hopefully save the mainframe. We've we've talked about this one before. Keep talking about that, yep. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. it goes back to it goes back to whatever works for the for the customers. Right, you keep customers, you keep customers in mind when those kind of options become available. It's all about cost. It's about you know, do I have the right skills to keep on my mainframe? As we spoke last time, Tomas, it was about you know, it's not cheap. It's uh, you know, all these big companies having these mainframe millions of dollars spent every year just in keeping the mainframe lights on. So there's that problem. Then the, there are not enough skills out there. So that's that's a big problem too. Who can support your mainframe options? And then what's the value? I mean, you got a great system in place. Why are you paying all this money? So it's all, I think it's all good news for the customer. Yeah, no, it really is. But it may not be good news for IBM though. Martin Martin uh, Schroeder, the, the CEO of IBM, we talked about this before Christmas. He, he he has had some choice words to say about what IBM had been doing, putting the squeeze on them. But actually, this could come back to haunt IBM because you think about Kindrel with their pedigree and their experience in the mainframe world. They may not be the guys who are making the technology, but they know the customers inside out. They have great skills in this world. We do business, we do some business with them now, but they really do have some great skills in the space and their relationship with Microsoft. That's that's not designed to drive more mainframes necessarily. That's to drive more business and more profitable business for for Kindrel and more business for Microsoft. So watch that space. Was that space for sure? I think the gloves are off. You're right. They're not mincing words. They're, it's all out in the open now, and they they are trying to distance themselves from IBM as quickly and as fast as possible for all the for all the right reasons. I think not yeah. good news for IBM. Yeah, and I, I see some of our our CEOs of all the big tech companies over there in Davos talking to the press, and I love yeah. Bill McDermott moved to service now in from SAP. Uh, it was it was SAP was it wasn't it? I'm, I'm yeah, it was yeah, yeah. It was. And and he's he talks up a great story though, doesn't he? You got you got to love his style. He's like he's he like I mean he obviously goes there with the shades on, on television. He's like a version of Bono, and uh, he's there. No, we're gonna have we're gonna be taking on more people. We're not letting anybody go. You know, I'm gonna say he's gonna he's gonna save the IT industry, is he? Well, you know, they're they're doing something right. I think he continues to grow the company there, right? ServiceNow is do now. 
listen, they are in a great space. I think ServiceNow has become a company that is really adding value, right? So you, you, you're automating, you know, it's the personnel, it's the customer service operations, it's it's the IT workings around all of that delivering great service. So I think the business itself is a critical. It's becoming very critical uh, for many companies. So they've successfully automated those. So that means productivity, right? So if in, in times like this, companies are looking for where do I, you know, how do I become more efficient? So they have a great answer from a customer service perspective. You're right. I mean, I hope he, uh, they stick with uh, Bill McDermott's big announcement. I think it's a bold statement to say we're not going to let anybody go in 2023. And I hope that stays that way. But I've, I was looking at some of the numbers and they're, they're, they continue to grow. Uh, it looks yeah. like doing something right. No, no, they're, they're, you can't argue. You can't argue. He's, he's, a, he's an interesting character. We'll bring it. We'll, we'll move on to the um, the topic of the the kind of so a couple of things we want to talk. I want we want to talk about for our audience before we, before we wrap up the, the podcast in 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 a, in a short while. But I think there's a couple of things we'd like to leave some our listeners to think about, and it's on this he- he- healthy skeptic topic that, and I, it's really kind of linked with do you have do you have choices? Is what we're trying to say. So we're trying to say to people, a lot of cases people feel they've no options. You know, we hear this regularly in the, from our customers and prospects we talk to every day of the week all over the world. And they, many of them feel that they don't have options. And it is hard if you feel that way, isn't it? You, let's take one of the topics around the budget. You know, this budget challenge people have. You know, both you and I have been speaking over the last six months at different conferences and we've worked very closely with Gartner, and Gartner's done a lot of research on this around the topic of how much of your budget is available to all your big budgets, whatever it is, 100 million, a billion could be, if you're lucky. Well, you may not be so lucky because still, still the same challenge. 90% of it is gobbled up just keeping the lights on. To try and make those changes, those new investments is 10%. I don't know other parts of businesses have the same challenge, but that's the challenge in IT. And that's been moving. You you flagged this to me before from, from what was it, 70%? Yeah, 70%. Go back 10 years, right? I mean, software maintenance, Tomas, as you know, has always been a big line item in IT, right? It's the you, you, software. Of course, you got to buy software, but that 20, 22% that you pay continues. And some in cases like IBM, for example, it just keeps going up. And Oracle, SAP, Microsoft, they're all in the same boat. It goes back to what we spoke 90 plus percent profit margins. That's what on average they make on this uh, software maintenance. So, so that's a that's been a big line item going from 70, I remember 70%, 80%. And from a budget perspective, tying up, that's one line item, but there's other things when we'll talk about that. But 90%, you're right, Gartner's put a lot of studies out there and they talk about 90%, leaving 10%. So the question is, what are you going to do with 10% that's going to help you move the needle for your business, right? How are you going to advance all the, the digital, the innovation? So that's the classic challenges. How do you free up your people, your time and money? And problem is now it's even more aggravated because you're letting people go. So where is where are you going to get this additional budget movement from? And that's why I go back to you got to take a very close look at all the top ticket items. Let me give you an example, right? The healthy skeptic mindset example of uh, do you really need to upgrade your backend system just to stay supported? I don't know. Any yeah. upgrade takes, what, 10 15 $20 million. Is that worth where you want to put your money? So the yeah. healthy skeptic mindset should say, do I really 
need? Is there another way to keep my support going? Or is this the only answer? And that's the problem. You know, most customers don't realize that they have an option like with third-party software maintenance. You don't have to. We can support any version. But I'm just giving an example of a healthy... Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, that's a really good, it's a really good example, Harry. Yeah, yeah. Keep asking those questions, right? And then your healthy skeptic mindset also should talk about, hey, is this the vendor support my only choice to keep my software supported? Ask that question. There are other ways to get support and access to expertise. In fact, a much better way. And I know we're talking about third-party software maintenance here, but those questions, the more you ask, then you free up your people, time, and money. Ask yourselves, how many times have you locked in a ticket with IBM or an Oracle or SAP for that matter? And how many times have you got the help you need at the time with the right expertise right away? Most but likely, also, but, but Harry, isn't it also, isn't it also, what am I spending my money on? What am I getting? Like we, we ask this in our daily okay. lives. Why am I buying Netflix subscription if I don't watch the thing? You know, yeah. on the off chance, I'm not, I mean, I'm simplifying it here, but, but this is what we're talking about. It is about, do I get any value from this? You know, if yeah. Netflix was going to show me like reruns of Dallas, you know, or reruns of, friends for the rest of my life, I'd be going, well, I think I'll just expect I would expect a lower price every year or almost get it for free. Like, but if you produce, what are they, what are they doing for the money I'm giving them? Like, what are they investing their money? What are you getting for that annual check that you're writing is a great question that every IT leader needs to ask. In my opinion, you're paying, you're paying the software maintenance for two things, right? One, if something breaks, somebody helps me fix it. And second, I need some meaningful innovation coming in my releases for the future. Both of those things, I mean, 15, 20 years ago, you probably got great value for the 20, 22% when, you know, think about PeopleSoft or think about any of the other technologies back in the day, they were completing their products. But right now, these IBM systems or any of these, these are solid systems. So to answer, answer your question, one, no innovation, and two, no support. So what are you paying that money for? So here's where the money is going. Think about all that. You talked about the 101% cloud increase, SAP. Great for SAP, but is it great for SAP customers? That money that companies are writing is actually going towards new products, new cloud, new revenue generating products that you have to purchase all over again. For you know, you got to move from your. That's the that's the classic model, and that's what they do from a mega vendor tactic or strategy yeah. standpoint. Is they want you to move to the cloud because once cloud is not cheap, we know that, right? Once you get into the cloud, you get locked in. After year three or four, there are those many studies. Yeah. After year three or four, you're paying more on the cloud subscription than you would do in on premise. So answer your question, where's the money going? I think it's going in the coffers, probably going in the pockets of you know, buying some new island, you know, a new yeah, island or, um, you know. A new Larry, Larry will store. be trying to have to pay himself out of like the next parking ticket he gets in, in his island in Hawaii. Yeah. But, the, you know, you talk there about the cloud and, the, and the who's, who's who, what, what's actually happened with some of this money. But they, they'd be very, they're, they're very good. I mean, the healthy skeptic of me goes, very been very good at convincing people that should stay on their roadmap, right? Yes. Like the the term they've been talking about for the last number of years is evergreening term. I mean, I love the you know evergreening. There's no, there's there's about zero green in all of this, by the way. So, but yeah, I love I love the choice of words. They give you a lovely word like a cloud. It's all fluffy and evergreening. But what you're doing here is that you're staying on their roadmap. You're going 
with their, they've got a product, they've got a version, they've got intellectual property rights for 70 plus years, they'll support it for maybe seven to 10 years max, and you're going and they want you to stay in, upgrade up, upgrade. And by the way, in the in the, in the cloud, it's they want you to stay on that just forever, you know? Um, and ramping up with extra, with more money and the 8% we talked about with Oracle and the 20 something percent we spoke about on the last episode with IBM and their increases, you go, like, when does it all stop? When does when do we take back a little bit of control here? Like who's like the question we often ask? Whose roadmap is this? Without a doubt. I mean, gosh, that's the billion dollar question for companies. Is you you know you need to ask yourself whose roadmap is it? Are you are you on the vendor dictated roadmap? Whereas you said, are you continually on the upgrade treadmill? Did you even stop to think? This is where the healthy skeptic is another example, right? What am I getting for this upgrade? Or even stop to think if you're being pushed to the cloud, the the thinking, the notion is, I think by default, everything, everybody says cloud is cheap. But as a healthy skeptic, ask yourselves, is it going to be cheaper in the long term? Is that what I need to do with my backend system? Or is there another way to keep that system running smoothly and securely and not invest in the cloud in the backend? Invest cloud in the front end, all the faster, cheaper, more nimble technologies that will help you advance the business, not just not helping you close books or do things that, you know, instead of four days closing books in two days because you're on the cloud, big deal. So you got to ask, I think that's the point here. It's yeah. it, for the longest time, I call it the, you know, just hit the easy button, right? Companies have gotten used to many but people. It's, but, it's not, but Harry, it's not easy. <laughs> you take about the with like a Windows Seven comes in and support, we replace it with you know the latest version of Windows or the, whatever it is. Like that's just the example from a couple of years ago. These aren't easy projects. They create huge cost, huge effort, and a huge risk. Like when it's totally unnecessary. I I spoke about this. I was at the Gold Coast Gartner conference back in September last year, and I spoke about this very topic at one of the sessions and at the end of the session a guy came up to me afterwards and said to me we i was about to go and kick off a huge project to make changes across a whole range of technology that actually now i don't need to after listening to you today he says i don't need to do this anymore because actually i was buying into the to the roadmap story i had to stay on their roadmap no you don't for some things yes but for many things, you don't. You decide yourself what you need to do and don't be buying their story. Don't be buying their story. That is the wrong thing to do, 100%. You're absolutely right on it. I think the gentleman who approached it, suddenly that's the shifting in the thinking for the longest time. You know, you've been following this vendor roadmap. Wait, I need to focus on my roadmap. What does my business needs? If if companies, I, this is where we're going, if you ask the right questions and say, here's what my business wants me to do, come up with your business-driven roadmap, then you figure out the right partners to help you go. You, are, you be in the driver's seat and you got to then say, I'm going to leverage these five to seven great partners to help me drive my roadmap the way I want it driven at the timeline that I choose to, right? No, I, I'm not surprised that, that you know, that the gentleman came up to you and told you that, Tomas, but that's the thinking we need. And that's why the healthy skeptic mindset uh, and, and, and the conversations around this is going to be so important because 
the, the, the big point here is to know that you have a choice. When you have choice, choice means competition. Competition means best value back to you as the customer. You think about that, then you are in a much better a position to have those conversations with any of these big vendors, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Right. And this uh, this idea that, oh, uh, if I stay on their roadmap, if I do as I'm told, if I, if I behave myself, I won't get audited. <laughs> I mean, look at the story we told earlier about NASA, 15 million, because I just don't know. I mean, I will, it doesn't say, and by the way, they won't, that still doesn't save you. We say it time oh. and time again, nothing is going to stop these guys doing their software audits. The only way we're going to stop that, by the way, is actually we start getting a few of the legislators coming up with a few rules around under what conditions are they allowed to audit. There needs to be a few rules in that space, by the way, because that is, it is a free-for-all. It's a okay. free-for-all. The minute people stop buying more of their software, the minute they start going there, they can just come in with the audit the audit tactic. Now, there's loads of people out there we know who know how to defend against these audits. So do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Be there's afraid, nothing man. to fear. Nothing yeah, to fear. I think this is a this this has to happen at multiple levels, right? You're right. I think we got to get some legislations and focusing on you know including you know continuing the movement that uh, we started with Free ICT USA and helping shed light on these kind of malpractices that is just not being checked. That's one. But as a customer right now, you can do some things, right? You need to be in an offense position anyway. And you're right. Just because you've been playing by the rule doesn't mean anything. Uh, it's not a question of if. I think it's a question of when, when they'll come knocking on your doors because that's a great uh, revenue stream for them. So you got to be in a position, understand your license, landscape, understand what products you have, really look at how much you're paying for those products and maintenance, know which ones you want to optimize or which ones you want to, you know, phase out over time and what does that like. And there are experts who can help many, uh, fortunately, many IBM customers uh, do do that from our frame of reference. But you got to be in an offense position, Tomas. This is not the time to play small or play defense. This is you got to really focus and be that healthy skeptic and ask all the right questions of your team members. Everybody, including the CIO, needs to answer those questions. Um, is this the right decision for the business? Yeah, yeah. No, you're 100% right. Yeah. We've got a little book coming out, haven't we? On this topic, we do. We do. We're looking forward to uh, publishing an ebook uh, focused on this topic: the healthy skeptic mindset. Uh, it'll address all the all the ideas we discussed today uh, in more depth. Uh, we're going to focus on the roadmap conversation. We're going to focus on the the budget. So we we talked about the roadmap. We talked about the budget. There are a few other areas that we're going to go deeper, including uh, digital transformation and how we can use a model like third-party software maintenance to free up some of the budget and resources to enable that transformation. We'll talk about that. We're also going to look uh, deeper into security and give you some questions to ask as a healthy skeptic. Are you really secure with the vendor security approach? We're also going to talk about, you know, the right to repair as well. So five major themes in this ebook. Can't wait to get this out uh, in a couple of weeks. And most of the, you know, there'll be several other assets, but uh, exciting new new resource. It'll be on Origina.com and uh, we'll make sure that it gets, you know, sent out. Excellent. I got a nice shameless plug there, Harry. Good man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I encourage everybody, everybody to take a listen. It's, it's, it's a great piece. We're proud of it on our side. So hopefully people like it. Uh, I think we're running out of time here, Harry. We better wrap things up. We've a great chat, lots of stories, 
lots of discussion about skepticism and health. Speaking of health, how, how is your hand? <laughs> Healing fast. Healing Finally fast. Good, 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 good. Can, can't, can't wait to take that motorbike out for a spin very soon. So I'll be, and the weather is improving here in San Francisco Bay Area. So looks looks like a beautiful day out here. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, no, it's good good chatting with you. Listen, we had a great time. We'll be back back in a few weeks' time with another episode. Thank you, Harry, for joining me. And again, it's great to have you. We have a great chat on these topics. Thanks to our team for, for supporting us. Um, thanks to you for listing us out, out there. Stay with us. We're on a journey to change the software world. We need all of you with us. If you have any ideas or thoughts, or you'd like us to discuss a topic, by the way, please email us at info at original.com. But until then... Take care, stay safe, we'll chat to you soon. Bye-bye.